We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson coming to you for another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Tonight, we're on Locker Room, and it's an edition of Group Therapy. Josh Bow should be back soon, probably within the next week or so. But until then, we're going to be here doing these, and we're coming to you Sunday night, getting our week started with a gut-punching Dallas Mavericks loss as they fall to the San Antonio Spurs, 119-117. to it uh, is is the sort of game where, you know, if you guys are familiar with my work, as it is, this is, is the sort of game where you'd expect probably a really feisty performance from me. And to me, it really boils down to, to some simple things. Uh, you know, Chris F. Porzingis had a very nice game, 31 points, uh, 15 rebounds, did a lot of his damage in the first half. Luka Doncic, 29 points, uh, 7 assists. But uh, some really costly turnovers. Um, the real gut punch uh, for the Mavericks was twofold. The the bench unit of Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson, who have been so important, were a combined uh, four of twenty for thirteen points. Brunson finally started hitting some shots, but his four of fifteen was really really pretty bad, to be quite honest. Um, he was due for a regression, but he's kind of coming back in a hard way. And Tim uh, Hardaway Jr. was was really bad. And then the the last thing uh, was Dorian Finney-Smith, who for some reason got the primary assignment on DeMar DeRozan, who had 27 second-half points. Um, I am often very critical of, of Dorian, and I'm trying very hard in my as the season progresses to speak as fairly as possible about him because he is a guy who has absolutely maximized his talent. I don't see how he get, he gets better. The Mavericks have him miscast as a defensive stopper. Dorian has kicked the shit out of him. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, DeRozan has kicked the shit out of him for years. And it's, it's not it's – it's one of these things where when the Mavericks opted not to send a double 
at DeMar DeRozan to get the ball out of his hands. That was a mistake, and it was obvious. And it's it's the sort of coaching mistake that Carlisle, who is a master tactician and a really smart guy, but makes again and again because he trusts his guys. If you're one of his guys, you will get very, very far in things. So it's it's disappointing. Dorian had a nice offensive game, was, was contributing in, in a variety of ways, had some great offensive rebounds. But he's just not a defensive stopper. Josh Richardson is shorter, but he's more active with his hands. He's more active with his feet. I would have liked to uh, – Luca, frankly, is, is better on him, to be quite honest. Uh, we've, we've, he's stronger. It's, it's just – I don't know. It's one of these things that, that I don't want to harp on too much because the fact that the Mavericks were in that situation was really part of the problem because they, they played stretches of really awful basketball and the, the Spurs just kind of kept coming right at them. It was, it was really surprising. Um, you know, so why don't we, uh, start, you know, taking, taking some folks and some questions and let's talk about, you know, the kind of the frustrations with this game, because I don't know, for me, I, I'm, I'm mad in the big, big picture sense because the Mavericks have a certain window to move up in the standings. And when they lose games, any games, it, it limits, it reduces their margin for error. Uh, they play the Sixers tomorrow night and that Sixers game is a likely loss because the Sixers are awesome. Uh, so it's it's pretty frustrating for me. Um, I'm not really, you know, I don't know. Just just let's let's talk about it. All right, Brad, Brad, you're coming up on stage. So what's uh, what's going on, Brad? Um, I mean, go. I've got so many things just that I want to talk about. But uh, you know, you brought up a great thing that I feel like the possession before. Uh, that final one, which I text my friends and I was like, Hey, just wait till DeRozan makes a <laughs> mid range two. Like literally, like I was like, just wait, he's going to do it. Like it's going to happen. Everyone knows it's coming. Like we can't stop it. But the possession before Richardson was on him and he forced like a difficult shot and it was a miss. And then like you mentioned, like even when there was like, Oh, like, could they switch on to Luca? I was like, okay, that's fine. But then, you know, Dorian recovered, and I was like, oh, okay. And it's like, you know, not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> positives from this game, I think. Uh, Powell, turns out, uh, I think he's getting back to, you know, at least salvageable, uh, which is nice for us, considering that Willie Colley Stein, who I forgot about, honestly, uh, still isn't playing. Um, right. KP. Man, him playing aggressively and like trying to be athletic is wonderful to watch. Uh, I want to talk it, about like, that. Such... I want to talk about that when you're done? KP playing, yeah. Keep, so, going. So keep going. Uh, sorry, I lost you there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes such a difference in this game. Like he was a beast, like on the boards today, offensive rebounding, going after stuff. It was just awesome to watch. He just looked like a player, and now like. I think in the offseason, I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to have another ball hanger. I'm like, oh, it'd also be nice to get someone that could just throw him an entry pass when he's, like, sealed someone in the post because there's, like, numerous times I'm like, just give him the ball. Yeah, they miss him. And it's, like, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun that it's not – fun is the wrong word. But, like, I don't like the Luka KP binary when it's really a Mavericks KP thing where, right. you know, Brunson yeah. got one out on the wing and just doesn't know how to throw an entry pass. The Mavericks announce crew do a bit of a disservice to to their to the fan base when they talk about Jalen's the best pure point guard. No, he's not. Like Jalen can't pass. Like he's he can an score. unbelievable basketball player, but he doesn't yeah. 
He only knows how to pass off the move. Like, entry passes right. are elementary school shit, and none of the Mavericks know how to do them. It drives me Yeah, and I mean, I think that's like when you listen to KP talk about, like, yeah, like, you know, call some plays for me. It's because, like, oh, it turns out no one can give him the ball in the flow. Like, yeah. you know, you, you're trying to play flow offense, but no one can get you the ball, like, when you're, like, you know, doing realistically what you should as a 7-3 guy. I mean, I'm sure it's frustrating. Yeah, no, and, and the KP stuff, I, I, I want to capitalize that while it's on my mind. So if I'm sort of I, – I can't prove this, I but I believe they are using him on the move in situations where he's, like, going downhill at the basket more than they have almost all season. And oh, for the, sure. The conspiracy theorist part of my brain thinks that this is for one of two reasons. Number one, they're concerned about his health. They don't want him – he, he's he's just kind of more prone for for injury if he's going to crash at the at the basket hard. But then the second reason is Carlisle probably doesn't want a ton of game film on it. It's definitely Carlisle for sure. I mean that was my <laughs> thought today. Like I watched like you know he made like so many downhill plays today, and I was like, wow, like why aren't we doing this the whole time? It, it's I though. Mean, I think the reason though is the tape because NBA teams are real yeah. smart. I, I will tell you mm-hmm. that I I'm pretty sure. That around game 20 of last season, the Mavericks thought they were ahead of the basketball revolution by a period of years. And I'm not making that up. Like, <laughs> I've, I've talked with some of the, the like, guys that write for Nylon Calculus and some of these yeah. more sourced people that the Mavericks believe that they were ahead of the curve in a huge way. Only mm. teams catch up when there's enough film. Like, guys, like, sure. they're not, you know, they, they're, these teams aren't stupid. And so to have a lot of KP, Luca pick and roll as as yeah. KP's diving, there's there's more things you can do to figure it out because over time guys start showing tendencies, uh, even if they don't mean right. to. So so I, I well, think I mean, that, and I can understand it, but the Mavericks just aren't like they're not good enough to be able to like hold back. Well, it's like you know you, you look back like last year the Clippers series and all of a sudden KP's just going off and it's like oh man like yeah this is fantastic why don't we have this all the time? And you're right like are we just trying to save that and assume that we're going to just you know, be good enough uh, with that. Um, like if we're, you know, not in a four seed maybe when we could be, but now we're going to be in a hopefully sixth. I still um, think there's plenty of time to get to a six. I really, really do. No, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, realistically, there should be. Like the Blazers are probably going to fall out. Um, I, I think we'll be there. But, you know, this is the other, like, interesting thing. And, like, you know, you talked about uh, Brunson and Hardaway. Um, not performing tonight. And then, like, you realize, you know, there's, like, three other starters that um, also, like, you know, didn't do so hot. And it's like, yeah, we have, like, a, you know, six-man-of-the-year candidate in Hardaway, technically, you know, second-highest scoring off the bench, I, I heard on the broadcast, uh, which is great. Um, but, you know, we just have these guys, like, Richardson is not a starter, at least, like for us, not right, right now. now, he's been bad. Yeah. He's been so inconsistent; it's very difficult. Yeah, and it's just like you know, when we don't have that, um, it's going to be hard to win some games. Like you know, if guys are just, you know, guys aren't going to hit shots. That's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, and like we're not good enough defensively to you know make up for that. And if uh, Brunson and Hardaway aren't hitting, then yeah, you know, there's going to be games like this that we just lose, even if. You know, this is one of the few games where really KP and Luca both, you know, at least you know by the numbers wise, played well, 
or exceedingly well combined. And, you know, we're just going to lose some of these, unfortunately. And it hurts worse being like, you know, losing to Houston and the Spurs like right. in the same in the same week, like really painful when like they're both like the worst they've been in forever. Right. And so. the, the the broadcast noted that the Mavericks have never swept the Spurs <laughs> ever. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, come on. Oh, well. <laughs> I know. Well, Brad, yeah, thanks he, for coming anyway. up. Do you got anything yeah, else for thanks, us? Yeah. No, no, I've taken, taken way too much time. Yeah, nah, thanks. Though. I appreciate you coming up. All right, coming up next, we got uh, Matt. Matt, how are you? I'm a little annoyed, but overall okay. Um, So watching this, I'm going to choose to take a couple of positives. Um, One, I thought KP passed the ball better out of the post than I have seen him do for the most part. Uh, he had some what I'm going to call Lucas, where he passed the ball to somebody who was wide open and then missed. Um, but he also he just he did a good job with that. He was very he was very active going for rebounds and whatnot. And then yeah. obviously we've <laughs> and obviously we've seen this before. This isn't KP. This is moving on from that. But the the thing that turned LeBron into the LeBron that we know of today is when he worked on his post game and you could not put a – like you absolutely cannot have a small on him because he can go to the post. And obviously we've seen Luka in the post and he's abused small people. But this is one of the first times that I've seen it be like a go-to play because we posted him at least 10 to 15 times that I can think of in this game. And it was just pretty much an automatic bucket or yeah. a wide-open shot for somebody else. And that really – um, so I'm choosing to focus that we do see it. We are willing to go with it and from that. And then the one last thing, any, I saw several people in the Mavs Moneyball thing say that the last shot was tightly contested. That is not a tightly contested shot for an NBA no. player. No. Like, at all. That was I, absolutely a practice jumper. I realized he was there, but he didn't jump. His defense had no effect on that play whatsoever. Where was he this? Was, Where were you reading this? <laughs> Uh, they said it in the game thread. A couple people were like, "Oh, it's tight contest oh, by DFS," I, and it, it's just not. I, I look. The, the, I've had some dis- discussions with the Mavs Moneyball commenters as of late. I'm not convinced. I get very frustrated being told that the sky is purple by the people in that game thread. That happened very often. Um, it's just not. Yeah, like the, Dorian is simply not a lockdown defender. He defends precisely one superstar very well, and it's James Harden. And they let everything else dictate, and I just don't get it. Dorian, if you guys have ever seen, or if you've been to a Mavs game in person, Dorian is maybe 205 pounds. I can't stress that enough. Like, that dude is getting every ounce of ability out of his body. But most NBA small forwards, particularly guys that are like the scoring threat types, are dudes that are probably closer to 225, 230 and that sort of strength issue, and then, you know, that's even before you get to, like, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George. And and they just out-muscle him. And he does his best. It's not his fault. But why, you know, and it wouldn't shock me if we find out a week from now that they were supposed to double him and then just didn't. The Mavs have some amazing uh, uh, brain fart uh, instances in end-of-game situations. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much with you where I think that there's a lot of, positives to take from the big picture because it's like the Mavericks were a bucket away from winning and shot 31% from three. That's not really happened that much. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's hard for us when you have games like this, where, where Tim was terrible, just absolutely terrible. Yep. Uh, where Jalen 
and like I said in the chat earlier, it's it one of the weirdest things about Jalen is how absolutely shocking it is to see him miss finishes and mid rangers like he did today because he's been so just, good, right? Yeah, like, and then also just with the last shot, and this is not just today; this is everything. Is we just allow the other team to be so comfortable going into that. And I mean, if you double, maybe you surrender an open jumper to somebody else, or maybe maybe you even give up an open layup, depending on how the scramble goes from there. But at yep. some point, I really just want us to not let the other team decide, okay, my best player is going to get the ball. He's going to get to go to exactly where he wants to go. And we're going to maybe have a light contest. Because that's pretty much what it feels like happens on our last position, is we're going to put Dorian on their best player. Their best player is going to decide exactly where they want to shoot from. And then they're going to go shoot from there. And we're going to have a hand that, yeah, if you're at a YMCA at a local town, it's relatively contested. But for an NBA player, it's just not. It's true. And and the, the one of the fundamental parts of drop coverage is rim protection and three-point defense and giving up the mid-range. Like, that is a conceit that they're willing to go for. And I – it's just not good strategy against DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> like I, well, I it's, also, it's also, it's not good strategy at the end of the game. That's true. Because a three, because in certain, yes, in most instances, you would rather give up a mid range dumper than a three, because if you shoot, you know, whatever, 43% on a mid ranger and, and 36% on a three, then you get more points, obviously doing the three, but in that certain situation where you're shooting it with half a second left on the clock or basically at the end of the game, that extra 7% that you might miss from shooting a three instead of a mid-ranger actually does matter because the two or the three, yeah. is, it doesn't it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much all. I mean, like I said, overall, I'm pretty happy. It's not like we didn't throw this game. This is a game where we played and we just no. lost. I, and we just don't have a whole lot of talent outside of our top two yep. players. Yep, and and that's 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 kind of the the long and the short of it. Well, Matt, as always, you're great. Thank you for coming up. All right. And we're losing you on the service. All right. Bye. All right. You have a good one. Okay. So before I go to the next speaker, I want to note two things because I want to issue. I don't know, probably a pair of criticisms. I get I get murked for this online and then different Mavs Moneyball comments. But, like, Luca's live ball turnovers, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but if I didn't, his live ball turnovers were bad. Um, just some really frustrating ones that were, were pretty pretty terrible. And that's something that, that he is – he's just got to clean up. It's been two or three straight games of these where it's just guys are getting in his lanes and some of his, his uh, you know, slide of hand stuff just hasn't been working. He's got to clean it up. Uh, my my next uh, criticism is going to be leveled to KP, who uh, I, I would love it if he could get his money's worth out of a foul. Uh, he fouled out of the game, as we noticed. I am fairly certain he had at least three that went for and ones. Like, if you're going to foul somebody, then make sure the shot doesn't go in, friend. I mean, granted, he was often playing helping Dorian, but it was just, ugh, God, that, just, that sort of stuff vexes me, like soft fouls. Um, like when guys foul Luca, they seem to really, really do a good job with it. Um, but that's, you know, that's just, it's, it's a minor thing, but it's something that I I'm thinking about as I'm watching in the big picture. All right. So coming up next on stage, I've had Felix who's been waiting patiently. Felix, what's up? Felix, are you there? Maybe not. That's okay. Um, all right. So coming up next is Brian Zillum. Hey, Brian. 
Brian. This is just great audio for the folks listening at home. Brian's not there either. All right, now we got longtime friend of the program, Doug. Doug, how are you? I'm frustrated again. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I think the thing the thing that frustrates me about a game like tonight is that there are so many stretches where it looked like the, the Mavs were just kind of mailing it in, just kind of going through the motions. And uh, because of that, then, you know, San Antonio got got energy, got life and uh, took took it from being a, a you know, a, a small Mavs lead to kind of extending out things. It just was frustrating. And uh, I guess one of the things that uh, that is also frustrating is the Mavs really almost not getting to the line other than KP or Luca. There was only three uh, three free throw shot by somebody other than uh, Luca and KP. And that to me is just ridiculous. Well, you want to hear um, something wilder just while we're here. I wasn't going to do this because I don't want to, I don't like criticizing <laughs> the guy unnecessarily. Chris Tapps Porzingis had four free throw attempts in the first four minutes and nine seconds of the game. And he had zero the rest of the game. So it, exactly. And that, that, that to me. And so you're, so you say uh, from that point on, Everybody except Luca had three free throws. Yeah, that's so rough. That's real rough. There's an interesting thing just because I I'm a I'm not so much just a big uh, Maxi fan, but I do believe that his his impact positively or negatively when he's in the game is significant. And I looked up after the game, and the Mavs are five and ten with him out of the lineup, and. Uh, I just think he changes things. He changes spacing. He he's a good versatile defender, and uh, as much as he's not going to be your your high score in any game, uh, he definitely changes things. And so when I heard he was going to be out tonight, I was going, "Oh, geez." Yeah, yeah. It, it's so weird. I don't remember if it was Matt or somebody else pointed earlier, but they said something effective. This is just kind of a game where it's clear the Mavericks don't have enough talent top to bottom, where if like guys aren't playing very, very well, it doesn't work out for them. And Maxie's kind of another guy like that, where it's just, you know, heading into the off season, whatever happens, like Dallas needs to find one more guy that can do stuff. I, I just, it, it, it shouldn't be quite that simple, but it, it's like, to, to miss Maxi Kleba, a guy who gives you kind of – he gives a lot of outside-of-the-box score contributions because he's a really good defender both from the perimeter and then depending on who the guy is in the post, I really like watching him play. But it is – it's kind of nuts that he, he is this important. I mean, five and, you know, five and ten is – that's a wild stat. Um, but I mean, some of, that, some of those were when he had COVID and all that. But it's, 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 it's valuable. So. Well, it is. It's something that uh, that it it shouldn't be that significant. And yes, they, there was there was definitely some on that COVID stretch, but it shouldn't be that significant. But it is. And uh, you're right that if they had maybe just another guy who would be both a decent shooter, versatile defender, it probably wouldn't be as much. But but it is. And so when he's out of the lineup, it changes a lot. Not only, I mean, it. I think it changes things for the kind of looks that Brunson and Hardaway get. And sure. so they, they may be as affected as anybody. Sure. And no, so, there's big parts of the team component where they're built, you know, to kind of fit like a, like a Lego set. And, and if things aren't working right, it, it has kind of a cascade effect. I mean, that was, 
that was what happened. You know, I know we all like to, to kind of punt on Dwight now, but Dwight Powell's offensive verticality in 2019-2020 was a very important component that they lost. Yep. And even though their offensive rating actually went up with with uh, KP running the five, there was just sort of a – it was one less element that wasn't there, and things start to matter like that in the playoffs when, you you know, things get a little bit tighter. The possessions matter more. There's more pressure. There's there's the pace is down, I mean, which is really – the it's not like the Mavericks play at pace anyways, but it's just like kind of a just, – just one more set, and it's a little bit concerning because, you know – the Mavericks can't need Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxi Kleba to like play well offensively in the play in, in the playoffs, but they do. So yeah, you know, the probably one more thing that I'm frustrated with, and and I know that even in the broadcast they pointed out that Jakob Pertl is one of the top ten shot blockers in the league or whatever, but he should not be discouraging drive to the hole. I mean, I guess you know, again, he blocks shots, but boy, he. It sure seemed like that the Mavs didn't go to the hole when he was in the, you know, he was kind of by the rim and, and to me, that's just, that's just strange because I don't know how or why you can't take it to him and possibly, you know, draw some fouls. But I think that that was why even some of the times where they settled for seven or eight foot jumpers instead of getting all the way to the rim. Yeah. Yeah. Now these, these sorts of things are, are, or you're probably right, but then it's just dip, dipping into the into the fact that it's it's so easy to like pin like six or seven things and why the Mavericks didn't win this one, and it's it's going to be one they think about. It, it's it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see what happens tomorrow night um, because back to back a national televised game where the NBA has been pretty they're okay with non nationally televised games. I bet KP plays. I bet Luca plays um, because they're not. You know, the the non-rest reasons, you know, somebody better have an injury. They don't like these maintenance-based stuff on national TV games. So hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of a bounce back. Because, you know, these guys, like, the, there might be some sports science behind why they're not playing. I mean, I'm sure there is. There obviously is. But I would rather – I bet that, that both of these guys, like the whole team, like, want to come play after losing a game like that. So – yeah, it's and, and to me that's that's one of those funny kind of modern NBA things that a few years ago there wasn't any there wasn't going to be any question whether or not KP and Luca would would have been playing in a game like that whether it was nationally televised or not and so I guess that's just one of the things that's changed about the modern NBA. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doug, thanks again for coming up and uh chatting for a bit. You got anything else? No, that's it. Thanks for having right. me on. Sure thing. All right. We've got a few more folks that want to come up. Jonathan, how are you? Hey, Kirk. Uh, you know, it's funny coming out of this game. I'm actually probably not as discouraged as uh, like that Houston game, uh, which maybe that's a little bit more obvious than uh, after I say it. But one of the reasons why I think is as I uh, look at, you know, the shot distribution and, the, and like the toughness of the shots that San Antonio was making, it was Pretty insane, and obviously DeMar does his thing, but DeJounte Murray uh, went off tonight, Lonnie Walker, and I think they ended up shooting uh, like 54, 55% from the field. Um, And I wonder, you know, on this with Carlisle, uh, he doesn't tinker a lot, I think, as much in the the regular season as he does in the playoffs. Uh, and, And so this is an example I wonder if you would agree where I think in the playoffs he's going to throw a lot more at the you know throw a lot more at the Spurs than he did tonight rather than that drop coverage 
because beyond that, we figured out how to play offense without making threes. Like we, we shot 30, 31% and we still uh, went off and had some really efficient offense in the clutch. So I walk away thinking to myself, you know what? They made tough shots. Carlisle didn't throw his adjustments at him. Uh, but I think in the playoffs in a scenario like this, he would make some, some more extreme adjustments. So what are your thoughts about that? Maybe just them kind of hitting those tough shots and, and in a normal playoff game, Carlisle's going to put on his mad scientist hat and, and uh, make a bigger difference in that way. Well, here's, here's a fun one for you. I'm not sure if you saw this in the chat. Um, I think Huda shared it. It was uh, from Brad Townsend. Rick Carlisle returned to the Zoom camera to clarify that while the Mavericks discussed potentially double-teaming DeRozan on the last shot, they ultimately decided not to. And, and then this is a quote from Carlisle. In hindsight, we should have gone, but we didn't, he said. That's on me. Then I had to mute myself from laughing while you were talking because uh, Lucas in the chat said, a Carlisle that's on me sighting, which, God, <laughs> God, he, he does do that. And it really has been a while. Lucas is right because I, I enjoy making those sorts of jokes, you know, kind of like halfway through the game when it feels like something's going sideways. Um, the Carlisle thing is tough because he really did try the first 25 games or so, but the bottom line is the Mavericks don't have enough good players. Uh, you know, Josh Green and some of those guys that really did get minutes during the COVID out, outbreak, like, showed that they're not good. Um, you know, Trey, like, the Trey Burke minutes returned tonight in a wild fashion, which made me laugh because he was actually not terrible. It's his first not awful game in what feels like, you know, a solid decade from Trey Burke. So, you know, um, I, we'll see what happens with him. I, there's so much it's so easy for me to read into this. And like part of why I like doing these chats is it makes me think through how crazy the thoughts in my heads are, because I feel like heading into the playoffs last year, the Mavericks were content with being the seven seed saying that out loud is a insane thing to say, but I still feel that way because they did something like leave Dorian Finney Smith on Dame as Dame went for 60 um, and, and then continues to do that this year, but you know, neither here nor there. I, I just don't know with Rick because he's a, he's such a smart guy, but he really just wants to play things close to the vest. I saw somebody earlier in the chat said, Rick, like basically asking the question of, you know, Carl can't be doing that. This isn't like football. And from what I understand of game study, it really like the, the sheer amount of data that they have available with the tracking stuff. It actually does get that way where they know tendencies down to like percentages. And now whether they show that stuff to players or whether it builds into game plans, it's kind of hard to say, but I, I, I just think that there's something to that with, with what Carlisle is talking about, but I, I probably didn't answer your question good enough, but you know, please let me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the end of game, example you know it's at times I feel like Carlisle coaches with less conviction in the regular season it's like uh this is kind of a little bit of of what we do and he'll throw I think lineups he'll experiment maybe more with but to your point he hasn't done that much at all he's really been riding the eight-man rotation but like from a style scheme perspective right he's he's kind of that mad scientist when when he learns and can really kind of coach the team to tendencies in a playoff series you know I Classic Mavs example, 2014 against the Spurs, right? Just was able to scheme in a way that really threw the Spurs and that beautiful offense off. You know, I just kind of look at tonight. I'm like, I don't feel like we tried a lot. And, and you know, we left – and we didn't, right? We left Finney Smith on DeMar. We did put Richardson on DeMar for one possession, which which seemed 
odd to me. And I was like, I don't, I'm not sure. But then I was like, maybe we're going to keep doing this. And then we didn't. Um, and so anyway, all that to say, you know, I, I kind of walked away thinking our defense wasn't awful. Uh, they made tough shots. Uh, DeRozan obviously did his thing, which, you know, that's probably the biggest and most frustrating thing is we didn't throw him off his game. I just think in the playoffs, Carlisle is going to maybe coach with a little more conviction uh, and, and that last play of the game, going to throw a double at him. I think so, there's something to that. I do. I think that, that he's more prepared. I, I think that they don't want to show their cards. I do yeah. at least want to one note one thing you said about the rotation. He's playing an eight-man rotation out of necessity, not because he wants yeah. to. I think yeah. part of why we're so anticipating J.J. Redick mattering, even if he only plays like 10 minutes a game, is that's 10 minutes split between Richardson and Finney Smith where they can probably play just five, you know, four or five less there and not be so ground down because it's, it's, I don't know, both of them are, you know, professional athletes, but I just kind of worry. I don't know. I worry about Richardson to a degree because I'm just wondering if he's been so inconsistent because he's just worn out, but yeah. that that's probably too much because he's been inconsistent the whole year, but there's, you know, you know, like playing nine guys or playing, you know, nine and a half guys, whatever. There's just something there where, where I, I think Carl, I would like to get through the regular season like that, but, but I do agree with you that, that he's, much more prepared for, for things in the playoffs. And there's a lot of things that, that, you know, maybe that's why they wanted to play the Clippers. Who knows? But I, I, I do like the thought. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You say eight, man. I said eight, man. I'm like, it's like seven and a half with Dwight Powell. I'm like, <laughs> you know, is that, does that really count? Tonight it did. Uh, but most nights I don't feel like it does. So yep. anyways, appreciate it. Uh, feeling, feeling halfway decent, not feeling good about tomorrow night. If I'm being honest with you, I'm, right. I'm, hey, hoping, I'm on... hoping to keep it within 10 points. I'm like, can we keep it within 10? Uh, but we'll see. Well, <clears throat> I, I, I'm looking forward to that one too. I, I, I think that there's some chatter in the chat room and really around the internet that, that like Ben Simmons shuts Luca down. Like there's only like three, three games. I think they played each other and one game, the last game he did, like he absolutely mm-hmm. owned Luca, but KP didn't play in that game. And Ben, you know, Ben Simmons is obviously a, a great player and I'm going to be, you know, Joel and Bede should play like, this is going to be really, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. Yep, thanks for uh, coming yeah. up. Cool. Thanks Kurt. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right. Coming up next, we got one more speaker, Brian. How's the internet now? Kirk, do you do you read me over? I do. You sound good. I was just messing. With- no, all good. It, it, I think the internet just likes to screw with me as I'm about to jump on your program. It just ah no, we don't want you can't jump on therapy session. What's wrong with you? I do. I I, I want to actually ask like a serious question, Kirk. So I, I I've heard a lot of like in the discussion in the chats, like you know, is was this a situation tonight where the Mavs aren't talented enough? But I want to ask like a serious question. So you have a Spurs team that have DeMar DeRozan, who's a pretty good player, and a bunch of guys, essentially. So can you tell me, because you're smarter than me at this, are, are the Mavs currently, let's say, have, you know, everybody's healthy. The Mavs are better than the Spurs roster currently, correct? It's a good question. I would well, say the top end of the talent is obviously favoring the Mavericks. The depth of the talent, I think, might. Right. So I asked that question to propose another question. So if we're, you know, if this is such a talent issue, why can other teams seem to beat the Mavs with one a good player and then a whole bunch of dudes, essentially? You look at the other night versus Houston. That's one. Yeah, they had Christian Wood back. But that's pretty much Christian Wood. 
getting better John Wall and a bunch of guys. So that's what I'm trying to ask. Is this a matter of coaching? I I don't want to like try to make this like a thing for Carla at all. Like I, I know once this gets to the playoffs, Rick will out coach somebody and we'll all look like big fat morons. So I'm not really worried about that aspect, but I continue to see efforts like this where the Mavs just go in these lulls where they're not interested at all. And it's so frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating where the, the, on paper, the Mavs are better than said teams, but they've looked just very disinterested. I'm not even going to count the games where somebody's resting, but these guys, these games like Chicago, Toronto, where the Mavs should be obliterating their competition, they're continuing to play with the, their food. And it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. If I could give Dalton Trigg a plug here, he, he uh, basically tweeted, tweeted out, man, this is going to be a fun play-in game. Oh, God. Could you imagine going against the Spurs in the play-in game? Just, uh, I know I want zero part of that. I mean, I don't want to blame the playing period. It's, it's, they'd have to lose twice though to be out of the playoffs. So that, that, I don't really see the Mavericks doing that. But to answer your question, I, there's a handful of games where we don't talk about it in the end because Luca writes the ship, but the Rockets game was a really good example of Luca coming out and not taking that game seriously. Uh, Matt Phillips said in the chat, like, none of the Mavericks were awake. He's right. And, and, you know, John Wall played an excellent game, hit some big time shots over Chris Dapps the same kind of shots the next night that Chris Apps was then, you know, basically blocking out the sun against Drew Holiday, who is a superior player at this point in his career. So it's just, you're going to have games where this stuff happens. And uh, I mean, the talent disparity of the Mavericks is, is frustrating for me because I've been crowing about this for four years that, you know, I, I watched Gal Meckle get, an NBA contract from the Mavericks. Like their talent evaluation is not near as good as they think it is. And Rick needs a certain kind of guy. That's, that's the other thing that probably isn't talked about enough because there's just guys that he doesn't work with. And I know that really upsets people. It's like, Oh, we got to find a better, different coach. It's like, no, like there's like, there's maybe two coaches in the league. I would like to see paired with Luca outside of Rick Carl. And they're both never getting let go from their jobs. And Eric Spolester and Nick nurse. So it, 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 there's just aspects of a very long season. You know, the, somebody made the point in a Friday locker room where it's like, you know, maybe because the NBA protocols, like these guys just aren't as on the same page as they, as they need to be as a team. Like the players aren't, you know, the, all this stuff with Luke and KP is very easy to read into. I've done it. Everybody's done it. You know, Brad Townsend wrote his piece about how it's not like the mid nineties. Well, yeah, because the, the mid nineties Mavs were, were like a, a, a story. Like there's a reason that we know about that story 30 years later, um, because it was just so like toxic in that locker room. Um, I don't know the, it's, it's really, it's, it's really easy to get bogged down in some of the little things that happen where it's like, you can go back and look at specific instances and then Carl says things like, well, that's on me. That's on me. That's on me. Okay, well, if it if it keeps being on you, at a certain point, we're going to question why the hell that you're that you're doing it this way. Um, and and so I don't know. The Mavs haven't had a game like this where they lost like that in in a while. I feel like maybe since like February or so. So I don't know. They were due. <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, what about the da- uh, the Dame shot? That was pretty bad. Which one? The the one where Dame won it at the end. Oh yeah, that was not like Jalen Brunson didn't double. Like we yeah. know that now, and they like they don't want to say that at the time because they don't want Brunson to get you know to get to get crushed on social. But uh, you know it's there. There was the 
Maxi Kleba won against uh, the Lakers last year. There was the, oh, the was West bad. Matthews foul two years ago against the Lakers with LeBron, where it's just like, what are you doing, West? Like players sometimes have brain farts, and you just kind of got to deal with it. To, to Matt's point about the fact that that was just an easy shot for DeMar DeRozan. Yes, it was. It was, I don't understand why that happens. Um, Victor Lugo points in the chat about this is why a team needs veterans players. And and the more we get along with the season, I, I, I tend to agree with that as, uh, assessment. We've talked about this a little bit um, from time to time where it's very obvious that they don't have anybody with enough of a voice to, to kind of speak up and kind of steady the ship. Like the Mavericks are kind of a very emotional team, which is normal for a guy, you know, they just play their best two players are, you know, 25, 26 and under, and neither of them, you know, Luke has been in big shot situations, but I'm just not sure he's the vocal leader that the Mavericks need. Like they just don't have anybody really to speak up. And, and that, that sort of stuff tends to, to bite them at certain points. So, yeah. Ha- hashtag DeMar to Dallas. Let's start the trend. Kirk. I don't know. He's a Come on. No, Come he's on. a net negative player throughout his whole career. Like, I'm sorry. He's not like, there's a reason that every team he's on is not good enough. Yeah. Like you went there are these single situation things. I don't understand it. Everybody's all into him. And it's like, well, wh- who do you want to take those shots? Him or Luka Doncic? Luka. <laughs> right. So why are we having this discussion? Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a fair, but again, we're to that discussion. Who else are you going to give your money to? And especially after he roasted everybody tonight, I mean, get him on here so he can stop doing that to us. But I'll hop off here. Appreciate you, sure buddy. Thing. Sure thing. CJ in the chat notes, y'all are funny. DeRozan makes us a top four team. Like, who are they defending? Like, you, you, the way teams work, you're taking the ball out of somebody's hands. And he's an ISO player who's absolutely outstanding. And if he wants to come play for the Mavericks for $10 million a year, I'm all for it. But he's going to, you know, it's like, are you giving your whole – giving your whole set of offense to him. I don't really know. Um, I, he's, he's a fine, he's, he's a fun basketball player to watch. Cause he always seems to like absolutely cook the Mavericks. So, but um, I don't know. This is, you know, this is why we do group therapy. Feel pretty good after 41 minutes. It's a crappy way to start the week. But then again, there's always another one tomorrow. Um, I'm going to post this as a podcast tonight. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun with these. Uh, my podcast numbers are somehow through the roof, so I appreciate all of you people who are listening and downloading, and even if you're downloading and then marking is played. Uh, tell the friends, tell uh, every other, you know everybody else that has an iPhone to get this. I don't know when um, they're going to be changing the app to incorporate with Spotify. We'll figure that out when we can. Hopefully, we'll get more Android users in here. Uh, as always, guys, you're wonderful. Thanks for joining and hanging out. We will do this again tomorrow night. Everybody have a good start to your week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.